0: welcome into another episode of we're talking. Today we're talking basketball, raging Cajun basketball with a longtime Cajun fan,
1: Mike Avery. How are you doing this afternoon, Mike? Doing very well. Had a few technical difficulties to get started, but looks like we've got those learned out. Yes, very thankful and
0: always thankful for your time. So, but, you know, there's a lot going on right now besides basketball, not only in the world, uh, but but closer to home. You know, Coach Marlin, uh, they had the sneakers, uh, suits and sneakers for cancer. And Coach Marlin uh, wrote a nice little check to that and everything. I know there's a lot more going on behind the scenes, not only with this basketball team, but with some of our friends. If you want to talk a little bit about that. So before we get started in, in basketball.
1: Well, uh, let's talk about the uh, cancer deal first. Donated okay. donated $100 for every three-pointer made in the games against Troy and Georgia Southern over the weekend to a cancer Society fund. Uh, so $1,600 were donated, uh, seven on uh, Thursday and nine on Saturday. And I think they missed one on uh, Thursday, by the way. We'll talk about that when we get into the basketball talk. Uh, they also wore um, you know, some pink uh, warm-ups with a GS on them, and that's for Gail Savoie, our university president's wife who passed away uh, earlier in 2021. She and uh, Dr. Sava, of course, good friends with Coach Marlon and his wife, Jenny. Jenny actually uh, prepared her hair for the funeral. Uh, so, you know, to admit a lot, I guess, for the cancer deal. And there's another lady that Coach Marlon mentioned in one of his um, press conferences that was a friend of his that passed away earlier in the year, too. So he was happy to do it. I wish I would have thought about matching his donation, maybe not up to $100, but I never got around to it. Maybe next time. So that, that's one of the things going on behind the scenes. And I got another little story here for you. Uh, there's a friend of mine who's quite involved in the ALS fundraising effort. And I'll conclude these comments by telling you a little bit about that uh, fundraiser who uh, knows some of the assistant coaches. They found out he had a birthday last week. So what they did was they had the players actually sang happy birthday to him during one of the practices. So they interrupted practice, had a little pizzazz of their happy birthday song, you know, with some basketball drills and stuff going on with it. And they sent him the video, a great memory for my friend there. And um, it shows what type of young men we have on the team to take their time out to just uh, wish their uh, supporter happy birthday. And this particular individual is quite involved with what's called the F5. It's the Fin Feather Fur Food Festival. Last year was the first one at Black and Coliseum. Held in late April. Um, Well over $100,000 were raised. There's going to be another one this year, like I said, on April 27th. Basically, it's a cooking competition with Finn, Feather, Fur, Food Festival. It's called F5 with fish, uh, fowl. The game is all cooked and judged, and tickets are like $40 per person. And we had several people last year. I was happy to participate in that. So this year it's going to be on April 27th. Again, a four to eight at Black and Coliseum. If you uh, want to support that cause, feel free to do so. And the Cajun basketball team is a big supporter of that cause, by the way. Uh, so. so as the baseball team as well, I got a
0: 42-inch uh, by 24-inch uh, uh, shot of the baseball season opening day against Texas when we opened uh, Russo Park and Coach, coach – uh, Coach Stegg signed that, and according to our friend, it raised, I believe, about $1,800 just for that one picture. So very thankful for everyone that helps out in that, and is it's a nice event. And if you have something that you can donate, there is a silent auction, or just go in there, and the, the beer and the food is all included in the ticket price is my understanding. So a good right. opportunity.
1: Right. The bulk of the funds are raised, believe it or not, by the cooking teams who actually Pay an entry fee to, to uh, participate in the event. And this year, there's. it looks like we're going to have more teams than ever. Um, in fact, there's thought about that maybe we don't have enough room in Black and Coliseum and we'll have to make some arrangements to get more teams. Okay. Yes. Food's outstanding. Uh, silent auction is the big thing. Actually, I had one of my bowling buddies donate a bowling ball that I had to set up for that, and that raised a couple hundred dollars. So there's all kinds of things that are available in the solid auction, many of them Cajun-oriented. Dr. Macker sent over a lot of things over last year to help with that. So that's tied to, uh, basketball, but anyway, happy to lead off with that. Uh, again, shows the type of young men we have on the team who would take their time out to, uh, saying happy birthday to a supporter. All right. We ready to talk basketball now?
0: Absolutely. Let's go back to the last
1: Thursday.
0: Uh, the Troy Trojans came into town and, uh, you know, it was one of those things, I, I, I said something which I don't want to necessarily correct myself. Uh, I mentioned how I was pulling for uh, Troy, uh, ULM because I thought Troy had a very good basketball coach. I do think that uh, Keith Richard up at ULM is a very good basketball coach as well. I just think because of Troy's depth, they were missing one of their players, I believe. Uh, I thought they had a better opportunity to, to finish the, the season stronger than ULM did. I just thought with ULM playing only six players, that their legs would be tighter, tighter at the end of the season than would Troy. So what was your thoughts on the first half as we
1: jump right in? Let me say, uh the thing about ULM. You you're correct. You know, they pulled a big upset against Marshall. Uh and we'll talk about Marshall when we conclude. But you know, that actually helped get the Cajuns into the tie with Southern Miss, move Marshall out of the and uh, that game went into double overtime. Not surprisingly, the next game, about in the second half, ULM loses the next game. But as far as Troy, the big thing of that, uh, which was last Thursday, I guess Thursday afternoon, rumors start swirling around the Cajun fandom about uh, Jordan Brown. uh, He had not practiced during the week. I was hearing he was limited. and That was not even correct. A lot of rumors going around. Was Jordan going to play? Was he not going to play? Turned out, he didn't play. Uh, Caused people to wonder about our inside game. Uh, Of course, Derrick Lewis II, Lou answered that quickly. We went to him early and had six quick points, helped the Cajuns get out to a lead. But I'll say one thing again about the Jordan Brown situation. You know, amongst the Cajun fandom, there was different stories. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? But I think uh, the staff and even the fans, is that Brooming break Breakdale Thursday, did an excellent job of keeping that on the wrap because i had to bet you anything that Troy prepared for Jordan Brown. Don't you think? Absolutely. I think they
0: did. And, uh, I agree. I don't know how the coaches were able to keep that under wraps, but good job by all of them. And, and I know if you talk to BJ, our trainer, he ain't going to give you any
1: information. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I have friends who tend practice pretty frequently. I bet last week uh, they didn't allow anybody to go to practice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, but you know, so, that actually may have worked to our advantage in a certain sense where Troy probably prepared for Jordan Brown that we're gonna go inside. He wasn't there, but our coaches probably knew that he wasn't gonna play Thursday compared to uh, you know where he had if he had played for practice a couple of days and decided not to pull him on the last minute. Not having to practice all week actually allowed them to set up a game plan and use other players uh in appropriate roles to get off a good lead there. I said. T. Lou got um, six quick points, and then when the cage was subbed, Ali ballooned. Your favorite player there, Joe Charles, may not have had a lot of box score numbers, but he he had a sequence there where he caused four straight turnovers. Did you notice that? I did. I mean, whether he was knocking the
0: ball away, uh, having a block, he's got a block shot in the game, two steals. He plays out outstanding. I think he just gets. I, I can't say nothing good uh, good about him.
1: Yeah, he caused some turnovers. You know we some deflections and things like that, even though he may not be credited with the steal, the block, etc. Uh, and that allowed us to get out the double figure lead pretty quickly. And we subbed the Joe was one of them, but Kobe Julian had his best game of the season. The box score shows us he as 11, but I think he had 14 because I, I, I remember three threes in the first half and a layup for 11 and three points, second half. So either we had three points that were taken away from us or somebody else got credited a basket that they shouldn't have been.
0: No, they updated that the next day, Mike, because I text uh, Sully and Jay saying, I'm pretty sure Jordan had that three. They had given it to Kendall Garnett. Uh, the box score now does on the website show 14 points for Julian. Okay.
1: So th- they had given it to Kendall Garnett incorrectly. Yep. I saw him in the box there with two Bat threes. I thought he only made one in the second half, which was always a big one. He always seems to make one at a critical time. But, you know, we got out to a big lead. And why is that? Well, defensively, the Cajuns did a great job running the Trojans off the three-point line. You know, they want to shoot 20 to 25 threes. A guy named Mohammed is one of their prime guys. He can get shots off over anybody really quick. The and then Cajuns had five or six threes themselves in the first half. Uh, Cantrell did a great job on running – Mohammed off the line. So keeping him away from the three pointer was a big play. Let me ask you this question. There was a strange play in a shot clock violation where Cajun shot the ball before their um shot clock expired. It hit the rim. But one of the officials, I guess, didn't see that it hit the rim. Correct. Uh, blown the whistle even before the shot. <laughs> she blew it like one or two seconds left. Um, and fortunately, the Cajuns had the arrow. And so they called the jump ball on that, even though the Cages had the rebounds, like an inverted whistle in football. It's it's one of those that uh, I know they went
0: back to look at it for the violation to see that, because I was actually not at the game. I was watching it from home. And uh, the only thing I can think of is, I believe the ball hit Joel, Joe Charles's hand, but didn't have a clear recovery of the rebound. You know, so now, was that because the whistle blew? And he just let it go. I don't know. Uh, Either way, I agree with you. I think that's wrong that they get that, 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 but that's probably the rule. They probably made the right decision. I just think it's a, it's a bad call.
1: Yeah. Well, the referee got together. They concluded that, Oh no, it was not a shot clock violation. The shot went off early. uh, And I thought we had the rebound. I didn't even realize Joe had dropped it. And because I guess it's inadvertent whistle. They went to the jump ball scenario. The Cajuns did score on that possession, fortunately. But because it was a jump ball, they did not get the first possession of the second half. So they did lose a possession because of the Yes. So, but, you know, Cajuns are making 3 pointers. They're scoring inside. Lewis is scoring. And even the last two minutes and a half, they cool off. They're still taking good shots, and they're still having a 20-point uh, lead. Um, the defense is solid. And even uh, though Jalen... Alcourt wasn't playing as well as he has in the past and shooting the ball. He had a block, big block at the and a half to keep the lead at 24, 41 to 17. You know, that shows a dominant performance, both on offense and defense. And you have to feel good at the half. The game was virtually over.
0: Yeah. It was one of those things that I really, you know, Troy came down, I believe either had the last shot or the second to last shot. And it was one of those things that Jay made the comment on that a three pointer here, just psychology for Troy, psychological, I should say, uh, make get going into the half with 20 points versus and a tw- and being down by 21 versus being down by 24 would have been huge, and they were unable to make the shot.
1: Yeah, they even uh, w- w- again they didn't even get a three pointer off. We ran them up the line, and the guy basically took a mid range that Jalen blocked easily. So that gave the Cages momentum going in the second half. You th- hope they come out strong, but it seems to be the case in a lot of games either they're behind and come a strong in the second half or they got the lead and they may relax a little bit and the, the slow start did occur in the second half and the caves may have lost a little focus and relaxed thinking you have a 24 point lead you relax thinking you have the game won. and Troy made a couple of baskets of course just as the first half t lute there was the second made a big basket that stemmed the tide. Uh, so again it made us feel comfortable Troy did not shoot as many threes in the second half as they did in the first half. Did you notice that they didn't shoot many in the first half either. I shouldn't say that. Well, they, they were 0 for 5 in the first and 2 for 7 in the second. Okay. Well, let me arrange that. <laughs> their, their offense was geared to get the three-point shot in the first half. We were just sending them off the line. In the second half, a couple of their threes were made late in the game when the game was out of reach. They start to go inside with backdoor cuts and off ball screens and they were somewhat successful with that, you know. And Coach Marlin said, the, "We knew giving them two was okay compared to giving them three. And some people may um, heard the term "backdoor," but not even sure what it uh, what it means. And "backdoor" just simply means your offensive player is going to move to catch a pass toward the three point line, and he's going to quickly turn and go back toward the basket. He's faking, basically, it's like a double move in football. And that was quite successful for Troy. They got several of their baskets that way in the first half the second half rather. And I bet if they know, know Jordan Brown wasn't going to play and be there to protect the rim, that they may have done more of that in the first half. So that's said, good job of not letting them know that. But the, Scott Cross, the good coach, they obviously made an adjustment at halftime.
0: I think, I think the twi- that's, that's, uh, I think where you notice you missed Jordan probably the most, the 28 points in the paint for, uh, for uh, Troy and the problem was with a lot of it, they had a lot of good looks in the first half. They just couldn't, you know, they had three opportunities I think two or three times in a row
1: and just couldn't score. I mean, You're correct about that. That uh, They had some shots under the basket and just couldn't get the fall in. Now those shots weren't wide open. There was some defense and, you know, some hindrance by the Cajuns under the basket, but the Troy did get the ball close to the basket and a couple of times did three shots and then score. You're correct on that. you know, that's just part of basketball luck. You, you never know. We saw the opposite of that come uh, Saturday night. We'll get to in a little while. Yeah. One more thing about the second half, though, we talked about Terrence Lewis making a big basket early in the half to stem their tide. But it seemed like every time Troy would make a little run, Greg L- Williams Jr. would make a big basket, and he sort of never got into double uh, under double figures. Uh, you were watching this. I don't know if you saw a highlight duck where there was a miss shot in the baseline. He actually came from about the free throw line and offensive rebound and put it in virtually with one hand. A couple weeks ago, he had one of his dunks that was uh, considered to be an ESPN highlight. That one should have been if it was not. I noticed this on the replay. It even got Dr. Maggard out of his seat. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Maggard, oh, and ah! (laughs) No, watched it over again. So when when that happens, you know you made a play uh, that's exciting to folks. Yep. One thing I want
0: to go back to the first half, Uh, I don't know if you guys solid in the Cajun Dome at the time, but 12 and a half minutes go by before Troy gets their first foul. When do you see one team up by 20 and the other team doesn't have a foul? I mean, that's just
1: amazing. Yeah, we had seven or eight, you know, eight minutes and a half. We had a normal amount, and they had zero. Yes. And obviously they were playing really good defense, or they were just letting them score, or the rest missed a few.
0: I think they missed a th- few, but at the same time, when you're up by 20, it's kind of hard to argue with the ref
1: about yeah. those calls. Yeah, there was a, some officiating issues in the Saturday game we'll talk about. but Oh. Yeah. <laughs> as the game wound down, to me, there was little doubt the case would control the game. His stats were um, – did he have a double-double team, folks? I think he had a double-double. on. That. I
0: think he did. I think we had two players. I think Lewis had a double-double. Oh, wait.
1: We'll look at that box score here in a second.
0: Box yes. score here. Uh,
1: No, Themis did not. He had seven assists. Seven assists, but 12 points. Yes. Yeah. But seven assists is a number that keeps him in the, in the nation's leaders. He's about four or five there. But he controlled the game, even if he's not scoring. And in the past, sometimes we get at our half court offense, but we didn't have the quality point guard play we did now. He, he just wondered, okay, who's going to get a shot? Is it going to be a decent shot? But with Themis running the show, even if he may not get the stat you know he usually makes the right play to get us a good shot so a friend of mine was at the game he said when did I start feeling comfortable well the way Troy, Troy can shoot threes and he said they were two for seven in the second half and they made a couple uh never felt I never feel comfortable that's a 15 point lead with four minutes to go and that's pretty much what it was but you know when you look back when it was over you know we we led wire to wire yep yeah and I don't think they got the lead on the double figures in the second half if they did it was a very short time so yeah go- I- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think, uh, so we went 72-57 and walked out of the gym because pretty, pretty, feeling pretty good because everybody's asking me, can we win without Jordan you know, in, the, in the pregame? And I'm asking other people. And I had no idea since he's such a big part of the, uh, the team. But reiterating what I said earlier, the team practicing without him and Troy not knowing we were going to not have him was probably to our advantage to a certain degree. The other thing about the first half, I think we went about five,
0: six, seven minutes into the game, maybe longer before our side had a turnover.
1: So. uh, I think think it was eight minutes. And then. Okay. But in the second half too, where we went seven or eight minutes without a turnover. So we can talk about the box score, you know, uh, in general and that, you know, Troy only took 12 threes the whole game. Two for 12. So we were not letting them take the threes. And so when they got them, they were so surprised they were getting them open. They might've rushed them a little bit. And so even with all the second half layups by Troy off the back doors and off-ball screens where they had uh, some mismatches, they still shot only 40 percent. You know, our numbers across the board are solid, you know. shooting is 48 from the the two, 47 from the three, 82 percent from the line. You know, we out rebound them. We have more steals than they do. They have more turnovers than they do, than they do. So when you win by 15, you're not surprised that you get a dominate the box score. It it was nice to see
0: though. And I think the biggest stat of the day probably was our bench outscoring their bench, because that was something we talked about last week was oh, there was a game last week that our bench
1: didn't score. So. Yeah. Well, Kobe had 14 and uh, Joe had five, right? So that's. Yeah. yeah. And uh, their bench only had six points. Yeah. So. Yeah. Kobe. uh. In that first half there had to make the whole staff feel good. and makes you wonder if he's ever completely 100%. Can he play that way for 25, 30 minutes? And uh, Well, not only the coach and staff, had to give that young
0: man some confidence as well. Yeah.
1: yeah. So then we move on to Friday, and people are wondering, is Jordan going to play Saturday or not? And coach had indicated, I guess, at the end of his um, radio interview that he probably would, but he wasn't certain. But middle of the day Saturday, we found out he was going to play and you know a uh, previous game Georgia Southern and we'll move on to that game if, you, if you're ready yep let's go for it I uh, played uh Texas State they had a lead not big as they got on us and uh but it was a close game it was i think 60 to 57 um so you know with cages and one at Texas State i don't know if the cages maybe were a little lax in the first half didn't really respect their opponent but the first half this I think scores eight to six or something like that where the Cajun's lead in you know, first five minutes it's pretty normal, each team filling each other out. But then the Eagles get hot, and this ADS can't miss, and they got get out to the double-figure league pretty quickly. And uh, I thought their zone gave the Cages some trouble to a certain degree. Did you notice that? Yeah, I, but at the same
0: time, the shots we took, I didn't find were bad shots. I think in the past we tend to, as some of the guys like to say, go down and jack them up, you know, jacking up threes. I didn't
1: find any our shot selection that bad. No, no, you're correct. But you know, we're not making enough to get them out of the zone, though. So they play right. And um, when I say they were hot early, that's probably definitely an understatement. They just could not miss. Hellishly hot, you know. You're going through hell as hot as they were. you're the opponent, and they continued to hit shots from all three levels. I noticed early in the game they hit a few tough mid ranges. And then that gave them confidence to go out to the three-point line, and they knocked six out of nine down, 60%, 69%, And then Of course, when you're hitting from the mid-range and the outside, you got to get some layups too. Um, and they got defensive energy from their shooting, you know, which helped them play aggressively in that zone. Uh, Kobe and Jalen go in. You know, we talked about our bench, and I didn't think um, – they both got in foul trouble pretty quick. They had two fouls, so, you know, we had to go back with the starters. And it's a completely different story in the second half. In the first half, I didn't find Joe Charles was moving as quickly as he does in, in some games. Um, the only positive we had, in know, but, you know, where it wasn't more of a deficit, 19 points at a half, was Greg Williams Jr. had some quick baskets early in the half and some big baskets late to actually keep us in it, where we're down 19 but not 20. So we're so it's 49-30 at halftime. How did you feel at halftime? I, you know, I wasn't panicking then because this team
0: has shown the ability to come back. But uh, the question would be with, with Jordan Brown coming back from an illness, not being hurt, but being drained a little bit from being sick, I was wondering if we were going to have the legs to come back and to keep
1: that momentum going for the whole second half. I wasn't ready to panic yet, though. Yeah. Well, in our group, were saying it's possible, but it's going to be difficult. But yes. the one thing that gave me – some confidence when the Cajuns walked on the floor at halftime they're down 19 their body language was not one that they're admitting defeat they were not hanging their heads they were going in a locker room basically said we're going to find a way to come back and I knew they would come back one because they've done it in the past they did it at Drake they did it at the uh, hey Mike I'm sorry can we take a quick break I've got a, a call I gotta take no sorry. problem. all right no problem
0: whatsoever Welcome back into. We're Talking, We're Talking Basketball, Reggie Cajun Basketball with longtime Cajun fan, Mike Hebert. Uh Sorry about that, Mike. We kind of cut it short there, but we were talking about the second
1: half of the uh, Cajuns game against Georgia Southern, so. Yeah, let me go back and make one more comment about the first half that I just uh, realized I wanted point I wanted to make sure I got across. And you mentioned that, you know, we were having trouble scoring with their zone, but our um, shots we were taking were in the flow of the offense. Uh, just weren't falling by the same token, give a lot of credit to the Eagles. They were making some tough shots. It, I don't really think the Cates played poor defense in the first half. It's just one of those games where, you know, everything you throw up is going in. I keep telling people in college basketball today, anybody can beat anybody with a three point shot. If you get hot or uh, even the two pointers, you know, so. Yeah. know It's going to be one of those games for a while. it's just their night, but let's not give up uh, Okay, so we're ready to go in the half and there's a botch inbounds play that should have been a turnover on the Eagles and the Cajuns should have had the ball, but the referees missed it. At halftime, Coach Marlin forcefully objects to their missed call. And I don't know if that had anything to do with it, the way the second half started. Uh, Jay asked him about it on his post-game show. He sort of made a small deal of it, but I wonder if the assistant coaches mentioned to the refs to watch the Eagle point guard because he seemed to push off with his off arm quite a bit. And sometimes, you know, if coaches got the attention of one ref, the other guys might be mentioning something a little more subtly to the other guys. But anyway, the Eagles got called for two straight offensive foul possessions right at the beginning of the second half. Uh, and again, I don't know if those were related to the in half discussion, but that feels an eight to nothing run. Cantrell was off in the first half, he hit two threes right there. Uh, get a couple other free throws, you know, from quickly in two minutes it goes from a 19-point lead to an 11-point lead. And it's a game. Um, and you can just feel the energy in the building. You, you notice that as well?
0: Yeah, the, the crowd was electric
1: and it really got into
0: it. And the one thing that I want to talk about here is, like, you talked about the fouls, the two push-off fouls. There should have been a third one probably right after that. But he, he the ref's not going to call three in a row. But Falks, uh, he got in the other guy's head. He got in the other point guard's head. And I know some people didn't like his annex at ULM and said he did the same thing on the next game at Southern Miss, I, be, uh, I believe. South Alabama. South Alabama. But at the same time, it's part of the game. And he let, he got into the their point guard's head and took him completely out of the game in the second half.
1: Yeah, yeah. He did. And, and so, you know, coaches coach for a reason, you know, that's why they talk to refs, but you know, the game continues. you know, obviously we don't keep it, keep bringing it down every basket, but we win the first four minutes and we're scoring. And you know what scoring allows us to do it allows us to press them and we press them. And then, um, you know, so they've got to actually play a little faster than they want to, you know, maybe all those baskets they made in the first half, thought they could be comfortable playing fast, but they really don't want to do that. They're like Texas Tech, they prefer playing slower. So that got them out of their rhythm. And uh, and also, since we're pressing them and they can't get in their rhythm, we're getting defensive stops and we're getting rebounds. You know what that prevents them from doing? That prevents them from playing zone. You know, where we're getting the ball in transition. And even though we may get into the half court, they can't really set up their zone as well as they'd like. Um, and also, then we hit a few threes. I said Catrell had a couple, and uh, that allowed us to go inside. And Jordan and T. Lou were dominating the glass at that point. You talked about the crowd. Here's a guy who fired up the cry Joe Charles again. You know, we talked about his steals on the uh, other night against Troy, and he still had so so first half. But he had seven quick points. You remember what they were? Uh, no. <laughs> he had a tip in? Yes. Then, and he stole an inbounds pass. We talked about our press, and they just pretty much threw it right to him. They didn't see him. And he just put it right back in, and we get a turnover, and they hit a three. You, you, uh, and Joe hits a three. And that really gets the crowd fired up, you know, when he's giving the, the three-ball s- signal to the crowd. And it, you talked about the, their point guard, and uh, Jordan, would he get tired or not? But, you know, Coach Marley did a great job updating the three big men, and Isaiah played a couple minutes too. So that allowed him to get his rest when it was appropriate yeah so I, I had a hard time really describing what went on it was just hard to believe what you saw coming back from 19 and going up eight and winning by seven well I think the key to it was a lot of times
0: this season the Cajuns if they had a lead or or whatever they the first four minutes sets the tone of the second half and honestly it's been about 50 50 whether the Cajuns have been playing good in those first four minutes but they were out they, they were able to outscore. Uh, Georgia Southern by eight points in that first two minutes of the of the second half. And again, I think it all all goes back to Fox and in the in the tone that was set with what he was
1: doing uh with the other guy's point guard. You're correct there, but there's also another factor that showed they may have lost their composure and their poise. Twice they got called for a flagrant once where um basically one the guy got, wrestled Terrence Lewis the second down to the ground, but both times the refs went to the monitor, made sure the calls were correct, flagrant ones, and Lou made three out of four of the free throws, and I think we scored baskets, and both times after that shows that the monster, he was on the boards. So, yeah, we talked about folks getting in their head, but their big man had a problem, too, when you get commit. Not one, but two flagrant fouls shows maybe you're losing your composure a little bit. Yeah, we were able to get their big
0: men in trouble, which I think was important. I want to say uh, the last one, they played about the last ten or twelve minutes of the game with two, both of their big men with four fouls, which allowed us to go inside, and they didn't want to foul out.
1: Yeah, I don't know why uh, the big Russian named Sazarov was the fifth-year senior for Georgia Southern did not play. Uh, same type of thing, you know, where uh, maybe that's to their advantage in the first half because we did not know that. Maybe it's why they played a little faster. But I noticed the guy did play against uh, Texas State. He scored seventeen points in that game. So maybe when I hit him out of the game is why they played a little faster. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I I found out right before the well, about an hour before the game he was not gonna
1: play. It was due to injury. So yeah. So I guess he got hurt in the uh, but you know, a lot of times though, it looks like when we didn't have Jordan on Thursday, the rest of the guys said we're gonna pick it up and the rest of the guys get got a little more juice in their game. That might have been the case for the uh Eagles in the first half. Okay. Uh there's another point, though, make it too is you know, we had uh, heard this in your talk with Danny Reed. We'd lost to them four straight times in the dome. So that's a very satisfying win. So that, uh, that doesn't happen again. But at the end of the game too, uh, I found a strange they obviously following the Cajuns because Cajuns by that point, every seven or eight point lead. I think we got the lead with six minutes to go in inside basket by Jordan. And our free throw shooting ices the game, you know, folks was just knocking them all down and everybody else was too. Coach was doing a good job of, uh, putting uh, Terrence in when we had the ball, putting Joe in and we had, were on defense. But Jordan Sutton kept going to the line almost as many times we well, You know, we kept thinking they'd take a three. We're taking that away. And they're driving to the basket and get a, get continually getting called for fouls. A couple of times it looked like I know Michael Thomas one just had his hands up and didn't do anything and fouls called. Uh, I don't know if the Eagle coach talked to the refs, tell them, hey, we're going to be going to the basket here, make sure protect our shooters. Do you find that unusual that this team that's behind is getting that many fouls as much as the team that's ahead? hit? I, I, I did, and but I, I thought it was strategically
0: because uh, – let me go back to see how they shot free throws in the second half. First of all, 72 free throws in the game is ridiculous, but that's a whole other issue we can talk about. But that they, they shot – well, they shot 84% in the second half because I talked about it with a friend of mine. He's like, why are we fouling? Why are we giving up those twos? And I said, for me, I kind of liked it in the fact that make them make them earn it, make them miss it. Yeah, you know, but at the same time, don't,
1: don't let them have a three. And we also fouled hard enough, even when it was under the basket, a couple of times I said I didn't think of the foul, but when it did, that they didn't get any and once.
0: Correct. And that's and I said, as long as we're doing that, even if they make both free throws, they would have made the layup anyway, probably.
1: So yeah. But,
0: yeah. And they, they missed a couple.
1: They, yes. Yeah, not a lot, but, you know, they missed two or three in the last three or four minutes. Going back to the crowd, I want to say this. You know, we talked about that old Dominion game. We got behind by 20. We knew the Cages would come back, and they just about got there. But did you have enough energy to maintain? Well, this time they did, and I gave a lot of credit to the crowd. Uh, they announced 3,500. But as Coach said, the people going to the games this year believe in this team. They were supporting. They were with them all the way, not just sitting on your hands. Sometimes I'm not as loud as some of the other fans because I'm so analytical, but I could just feel the energy from the crowd and the players really appreciated it. So had this been on the road and would be down by 19, yes, we would have come back, but we we would have enough energy to take it all the way like we did on Saturday. Maybe not. So kudos to the crowd on that. And let's hope that happens again on Thursday and Saturday. Well, kudos to the man too. I, I much
0: more enjoy the band being there than, than the DJ. You know yeah, no i think doubt. they bring a lot of
1: energy to the crowd yeah no doubt about it okay uh, so when the game's over we always look at the box scores and see if there's anything we can uh, glean from that that we may miss from just watching the game my first thought is eagles shoot 57 so if you're the eagle culture staff how do you shoot 57 percent and lose you know and the answer is you know just like if you're not shooting well how do you win well, you out rebound your opponent, you make your free throws, and you have less turnovers than they do. And the Cages did all that. You know, the offensive rebounds were 17 to four in favor of the Cages. Great job by Brown, Lewis, and, and Charles, all three of them out there battling. Well, I, I think one of the things here, Keith Mike, uh, is that
0: they uh they 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 shot ten less shots, and and, and four less three point attempts. So. You know, we didn't give them those opportunities, ran them off the line. We didn't give them those opportunities to score. We had some key steals in the game. We had some key turnovers. Uh, it's one of the best half of basketball that I've seen uh, in a long time,
1: you know. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. You know, uh, the reason they had less shots, we miss because we had more offensive rebounds. We kept bounding on the glass. So if you miss and you try to put another one up, take three shots to score, but still basket, it's three rebounds. And we talked oh. to, well, folks, you know, how well he had got in the guy's head. He didn't shoot the ball that great, but the basket he made was, you know, and of course he's put in a lot when he's the point guard, if he shoots sometimes it's late in the shot clock, it's a tough shot, but he had zero turnovers in 30 something minutes. So, yeah. Able to give him a, a little break with 10 minutes. I think Michael Thomas had his best game since he's come back.
0: Yeah. The six turnovers in a game and three of them were from your big man. I'm okay with that. You know, He's gonna get he's gonna get the ball down low. You don't want him to, to, to turn the ball over, but he's gonna get the ball back down low in a crowd. They're gonna all be slapping at him. And the game is more physical this year to me. The refs aren't calling those fouls underneath unless you're shooting.
1: Yeah. Right. The shooters are getting protected. You just talked about seventy some free throws is a lot. Uh, you know, if you call everything, it'd be even more than be eighty or ninety. And nobody yep. wants to see that. The game didn't finish so almost almost nine fifteen with a seven o'clock start.
0: How much do you think I'm I'm just noticing this. So they had they only had four offensive rebounds compared to uh Troy's 11 last game, which I think had a lot to do with Jordan not being in there. But do you think that was a concentration from the coaches?
1: Something to work on? Yeah, I think I think on Friday they probably said, "Hey, we didn't rebound the ball as well as we need to against Troy. Let's make sure that's a point of emphasis." Coach also said that they worked on their press. Um uh, you know, like we talked earlier, the press in the second half really helped fuel the turn the tide. So, so, probably rebounding in the press with the emphasis of practice. Now, why did they press in practice sometimes they don't? Well, usually they've got leads and they don't have to, but you know, we won eight in a row now. Look, maybe at some point we'll lose one here. You know, you don't win every game. Yeah. Anybody can beat anybody else, but keep finding. i tell you this I'm confident the guys will not give up if they get behind. They'll continue to. Play team first ball. They won't. They don't care who gets the credit. It's the Kagan scores up there. It's not Jordan Brown score, and they'll prepare properly. Yeah. So I'm confident that's going to happen. You may not win, but uh, as long as those three things keep, keep happening, we'll be all right. 17 offensive rebounds. I've got to believe that's a high a season high for the for the guys. Yeah, you don't realize that that many because you, you're scoring, even though it may take you two to three shots to score, and that makes your percentage. 41% or whatever it is. But, you know, if you look at points per possession, I bet our numbers were pretty good. 25 second chance points, so that's big. Points in the paint,
0: 32. So you got to like those things. Uh, points off the turnover is 11. So were we able to take care of that? You know, uh, taking care of the ball. That, that I think that was huge in the second half. I, I'd have to go through the, the whole play-by-play play and see how many of our turnovers were in the second half. Uh, I, I have to believe with only six of them there there couldn't have been many
1: i think it was only two in the second half okay yeah well people have asked me okay before we what's the difference in this year's team you know where uh, 18 and four now um and uh, even throwing out the 39 d one that's 15 and four that's one of the top records in the country and most of our games have been on the road well you talk about team as folks having a guy who can control the game you know it's an improvement over the past a point guard. Uh, it's a team that sometimes maybe he needs to control his emotions, but again, you know, sometimes he's doing that just to get in the opponent's heads and there's Lewis. The second is a big advantage. Um, our previous big man, Theo Cooper's not all Miss was not the offensive player. Terrence is, uh, maybe he was a better rim protected. Couldn't catch the ball as well. Couldn't shoot the ball well. But that little floater that Lewis has on the lane there is a perfect compliment to, uh, the Brown. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the end of the season last year, we finished strong, but, you know, there was some dissension. but you know what? Coach still was able to bring in those two guys and one in the spring and one in the summer. So the recruiting circle is a little different than it is on man on fan boards. You know, the, those guys have relationships and they know um, what's going on in different schools. One of the, I, I think
0: the biggest thing with folks, I have not seen, uh, I, this is one of my notes here. I don't think I've seen a guy that has mastered the bounce pass as well as he has. Too many times you see it at the player's feet or it's too soon and then it comes up and the other team is able to steal it. But how many either giving goes or that, even Brown dropping the b- bounce pass to to Greg Lewis, uh, uh,
1: streaking on the backside. I just think this team has done so well passing the ball. Yeah, obviously, they have less turnovers. Yeah, well, Timus was a. On some of the All-American teams last year in junior college, he was on some of them. You know, usually you get those from uh, guys who score a lot or have a lot of assists. They have a lot of assists. But, you know, scoring wasn't that great, so it was a great pickup by the of bringing him in in late uh, well, April or May, whenever it was he signed on. When your point guard can go nine for ten from
0: the free throw line, uh, one offensive rebound, uh, four defense, five rebounds, six assists, no turnovers, I'll take that any day of the week. And drop a steal on to top
1: win. of that. You probably got to win. And uh, I mentioned this to other people, you know, where his free throw sometimes a little flat. Yep. And, you know, as I've said this. Temos makes the free throws late in the game if it's on the line. His concentration seems to improve. Or his focus goes up, whatever. But his I bet his percentage in the last four minutes of the game is much higher than his percentage is overall. They don't keep a record for that. But he, he makes them when the money's on the line. So I'll take that as well. Well, they'll need to continue this week with a couple of tough games coming up. Yes, uh, I, I'm pretty much done with Georgia Southern. You know, my nope. main comment on that again, I give kudos to the crowd think. That,
0: uh, and I just want—I just want to, you know, uh, assist. Themis is fifth in the nation, six in the six in the nation, and assists per game. You know, when you get numbers like that coming in from your point guard, and then you've got Terrence Lewis the second, and and fifteenth in the country. Uh, with field goal percent, and Jordan Brown with 48th in the country.
1: Uh, It's a huge, huge opportunity for your team to play well. No doubt. No doubt. Hopefully they can can continue here. Uh, Again, kudos to the crowd. I will say this to some of the people who went to the game on Saturday haven't made a lot of games this year, and they talked about how much fun they had. So if you just listen to this, I can't guarantee the Cajuns will win. I guarantee what I said earlier, they'll prepare properly. They'll play hard. They'll play as a team you're probably going to have a good time to get out there at some point.
0: Absolutely. Fun game, fun team to watch. Well, Mike, we've got uh Texas state coming in, uh, this Thursday, this game kind of scares me as a trap game.
1: That's the look, word I was going to use because of look, all the Marshall. Yeah. Looking ahead to Marshall. Not only
0: that, Texas state played us
1: pretty well, pretty good in the, in the first contest. So, yes, yeah. they had the lead most of the game. Um, Slowed the game down. We struggled from the line, and we thought maybe it was because our guys retired after all the road games. But even since then, they beat Georgia Southern on uh, Thursday night in a really close game, and they went to Southern Miss on Saturday, and that game was competitive till the end. They lost by nine, 67-58, but, you know, they, they were within and with, with a few points with three or four minutes to go. Um, so they're obviously capable. I think they played better in the last two games, and that's because their best players, Mason Harrell, Point guard, he's number 12, if you're going to be out there. And he's missed the last three games. Uh, but just as us preparing to play without Jordan, we practiced with other guys. I think the same thing happened to Texas State without Harold. You know, they were able to actually put other guys in different roles. Coach Marlon mentioned uh, in a radio interview I heard this morning that we're planning for Harold to play. No one really knows what's going on with him. Uh, all Texas State signings, either in or out. I don't even I have no idea what the injury, injury is. But, you know, since then, uh, since they played against us, they had the same – we won't spend a lot of time on Texas State, so we just played with them already. But their guy named Mason, number five, is a guard, has been scoring most of their points from the outside. And Morgan and, and – um, Martin, number one, is Morgan. He's their best inside player recently. Uh, is will have to watch him. But against the Cajuns back in uh, mid-January, whenever it is we played them, Jordan shot the ball from the field line poorly. But Remember, he got them in foul trouble, and I think that was a factor late in the game. So, Jordan had a big game. Um, we'll see if Harrell plays. Oh, by the way, number 22 is their best player off the bench, and maybe one of the better players of the team. He's the uh, Caesar. Yes, so that's what I look for. Can Jordan get them in foul trouble like he did in the first game? If Harrell plays, who's going to guard him? Contrell, surprisingly, this year is. Imp- has often drawn the best player on the other team, guards, and he's shut a lot of them down. Remember, he did well against Southern Miss. Coach Marlon mentioned, you know, that earlier in the year, Jalen Dalcourt was playing very well on defense. He slumped a little bit, maybe, because his shot's not dropping right now. Maybe it's in his head a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen's putting a little extra time in the gym and shots drop down, and then he'll play better on defense. So, so, you know, that's Thursday night. It's a trap game for sure. They're going to try to slow it down. I will say this. In the game we played up there, we're over there. When we got the lead, and they tried to play faster, and they didn't have Harold, they were very uncomfortable. So if we can get a lead and make them play faster than they want to, it'll bode well for us. And that's just about with every uh, Texas State team over the last ten or twelve years. So. Yeah, that's their style. Yeah, they'll, they'll just fake threes and drive in take them in range if they have to, or fake another one. They just, they just keep you making playing defense for 25, 30 seconds. And what you have to watch is, okay, play defense. I got to stop. And you get back down court. Okay, if you take a quick shot and it doesn't go in, then you might be playing defense 45 or 50 seconds of every minute. But then at the same time, you don't want to not take shots you're used to that you're part of your offense. You don't want to take missed shots. So the key to there is offensive rebound. Yeah. If you take a shot in the flow of your offense – and uh, doesn't go in if you get some offensive rebounds that'll give you some extra possessions, just like we did on last Saturday night. So, yeah. And if you could, again, if you could st- get the lead and speed them up, the, they, they're not going to play faster than you. You'll make it at eight, 19 point lead. They'll still try to play slow for a while, but at some point they'll have to go faster. They're uncomfortable doing that. Absolutely.
0: Let's move on to the uh, Saturday's game. We've got so much going on on Saturday with, in regards to the fabulous C- Cajun chicken being there, it's Our Lady of Lords Night. It's a alumni night. Uh, it's Senior Night. It's Kids Night. I mean, they're pulling out all the stops to get a big crowd. And from what I'm being told by some friends that went to buy tickets, they uh, they were able to get tickets, but tickets were going uh, pretty well.
1: The ticket sales for this s- Saturday's game. Yeah, the tickets they're getting maybe not as well where they wanted to sit, but at least they got some. Yes. yes. There's a $7 promotion for this game. I think you do go to raginggation.com slash chicken. You'll get the $7 tickets. You still have to pay the uh, the fee to Ticketmaster, but the more tickets you buy, I think the better off you are in that situation since it's going to probably be one charge per transaction. So it may not cost you more for seven tickets on Ticketmaster fee than it would be for two. Yeah. So there's a lot of things going on. And you hope and that many people in the dome. will hope to have, you know, I'm not going to throw a number, let's say four, five, 6000 hopefully. Doesn't put too much pressure. I remember years ago, Marty Fletcher was telling me we had so many people in the gym in one game. I think we're playing UNO. His kids didn't know how to handle it. They wanted to uh, play so well to please their fans that they actually went to. It was was actually a detriment. Now that may not happen with this team. You know, with the leadership they have and the togetherness they have, uh, I think they'll just use the crowd as fuel versus using it as nervousness. So what about our opponent? Well, Marshall plays out on Thursday. Um, last week, they lost to ULM in double overtime, where ULM made 14 threes. I felt sorry for Georgia State coming in on Saturday, because after losing to ULM in double overtime, I figured uh, Marshall would be uh, ready to for And they did, and they beat them over 30. And as usual, their guards are the two top scorers. The, uh, Devion Kinsey is their leading scorer. He's averaging over 21 a game. And he's uh actually ahead of Jordan in the league scoring. I think Jordan's right at 20. And the other guard is a- Andrew Taylor, and he's averaging 19. Um, so that's 40 points from their two guards. So Reagan and um Cantrell will have their hands full. Hopefully, Jalen come off the bench and maybe help us there. Their best big man is a seven seven foot one freshman named Hunter Godden, whose dad played in the NBA. He's seven one, and he's uh averaging close to double figures on rebounds. Those are the three guys to watch. They're going to want to play fast, yeah, you know. So if they miss, they got a seven-one guy in there. I don't know. If Jordan's played against the seven-footer this year.
0: Uh, is it South Alabama that has Mustafa or
1: South Alabama has Samuel who didn't play against us? Okay, yeah, um, he's back now. Uh, when we played against Texas, Dex- Jordan had some good numbers against Texas. You know, te- uh, our offensive numbers against Texas were not bad. It was just Texas couldn't miss. They had a great offensive night and of course they're continuing to do well. They are one of the top teams in the big 12 was the best conference in America right now. so, so what's going to happen Saturday. Night? I don't know, you know, uh, if we can make 14 threes like ULM did, we've got a good chance. Um, Marshall made 11 threes against Georgia state. They, only, they were below 30% made only seven against ULM. Um, uh, so that's the only part of it, you know, it's, it's going to be a fun game because both teams like to play fast. So in that scenario, OK, don't have turnovers, get offensive rebounds and uh, your crazy plays go your way. You hope you never know where a ball is going to bounce. How do you see the game? Uh, it, it's one, I think that
0: we're going to have the advantage only because a little bit of an advantage, because I think the travel from Marshall down to App State and then over to us, I think it's a it's a long travel time for them. Uh, not sure what the weather's going to be like up there. I know uh, the next couple of days, the weather looks ugly uh, around the Northeast, but, um, you know, I think the main thing there is we have to shut down their guards. And you saw that when uh, Marshall went to Georgia Southern, Georgia Southern's guards uh, were able to handle everything and Georgia Southern was able to get, get the win. So, uh, but there's going to be a lot of distractions uh,
1: Saturday, and hopefully uh, we handle those distractions. Yeah, it's like homecoming football, The coach would say, you know, "All those distractions are for the fans. Let's take care of our business." And- exactly. Yeah. I'll say one more thing about Georgia Southern about about Marshall. That is, you know, they had six guys in double figures in their game against uh, Georgia State, and they played like 10, oh well, twelve guys. So of course they had a big lead, but you know, and that tells us our bench has to contribute to on Saturday night, especially if it's going to be an up and down game. Uh, Marshall also is their right. Their record right now is 18 and f- five, 18 and five, seven and three in conference. Pretty good record. I looked at their non-conference schedule. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty um, similar to a lot of teams. You know, I didn't really see any big names out there that they went against. You know, can't tell you that they, they, like, like they beat Vanderbilt like Southern Miss did or before the state, like one of our recent opponents did. Like, I think it was Troy. So, Hard to say, uh coming in the season from their non-conference play, how they would have done, but they've done well. They're seven and three. It's gonna be a fun game. Let's hope the distractions don't bother our guys too much. I, I find it interesting though, they they were able to play three Mac
0: teams, uh, which they beat all three Mac teams, so which is uh, I, I wish, and I know we don't want the travel all the way up to the to the to that section in the Midwest, but at the same time, that would be a great opportunity if we were able to get some something like that in there.
1: Yeah, well, geography plays a part there. You know, they're up yes. in West Virginia. They're not that far from the Mid-American teams. In, in our case, it'll be more playing the, the CUSA teams. Correct. You know, and hopefully that can happen. Well, we're going to play the Mac next year at uh, two games in the Sunbelt Mac Challenge. Well, we can talk about that when the season ends. Okay. Uh, yeah, I noticed that too. But ready for the week, ready for these two games? Uh, let's hope it continues. You know, it's fun to talk about wins. It is. It makes it makes like life a little easier. But at the same
0: time, uh, I don't want to dismiss what these and I know we haven't, but what these guys have done this year. And I think the way they played, I think this is. I, I don't see, like I said earlier, I, I don't see us like people like to say jacking up threes. I don't see a whole lot of standing around on the court and I see a lot of. uh I see a lot of support for each other on the court with with the guys.
1: They're always supporting each other. I, I like to watch this team. That's the word chemistry we talked about before. Yes, which goes back in a lot of ways to the Puerto Rico trip. Some fans wondered what was the benefit of that. You can't put a number on it. I would concur. Okay, uh, as I said earlier, you can't promise the team's going to win. You promise they're going to play hard, play together, team first mentality, and prepare properly and you'll see what happens when they hit the court.
0: Well, Mike, it's important that this team continue to play well and be in the top 4 because we'll be playing on a Friday night at the end of the season and if you can be in the the top 4, you're not going to play again till Saturday, so you'll have a week off before the conference tournament, so right, it's right. very important to finish in the top 4.
1: Right, and right now they're they're tied with Southern Miss. These uh games on Saturday and the following Thursday could determine the conference championship. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, all right, Mike, any last thoughts or on anything, whether
1: it's the Sunbelt basketball, basketball in general, or the Cajuns. And remember these guys are good guys. Told you the story about what they did for my friend who's the ALS uh, fundraiser supporter. So they deserve your support. Hope to see a lot of you out there Thursday and Saturday. Absolutely.
0: Fun time. Get your tickets, buy them early. Save a couple dollars on the fees by going to the Cajun Dome. It's going to be a fun night, a couple nights here. Uh, I believe the team will stay focused. So I do, too. We'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. You've been listening. We're talking. We've been talking basketball uh, with Mike A. Bear. We'll catch you all next week. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it. Share
1: it. Put it in your podcast broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.